Welcome to the Arrive Podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians. Today we'll be discussing U.S. citizenship and specifically how you acquire citizenship. People call in all the time and they wonder and they have the question if they are a U.S. citizen or not. Right. Am I a U.S. citizen? My, my mom was a U.S. citizen, but I was born in Canada, um, but I want to I live in the U.S. now. Yes. So they, and that's the most common question we get. I'm, I know I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada, but I have a father or a mother that was U.S. citizen and maybe even grandparents. It could even go that far down the line. And they want to know whether or not they're in fact a U.S. citizen and have rights to U.S. citizenship. So you can obtain U.S. citizenship traditionally in two standard ways. If you're born inside the United States. You probably are a U.S. citizen. You are a U.S. citizen. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's called uh, Jusoli. If you if you look at the law, Jusoli, you were born here in the United States. You were born on American soil. You're a U.S. citizen. And this comes up in, in the news all the time. They talk about it. They, they call them anchor babies. Uh, people come here, have a baby in the United States just to get that child citizenship. And then they go back to their home country and 21 years in later hopes that yeah. in 21 years that child will be able to then sponsor them to to get a green card and come to the united states um very long road <laughs> path to do it that way yeah. but that's that child would be a u.s citizen and then anyone else born in the united states period you are a u.s citizen if you're born on u.s soil so that's the easiest way to become a citizen is just to be born one and there are ways, and this is where people aren't aware, that if you are born in a foreign land to a U.S. citizen parent, you could, in fact, be a U.S. citizen. And there are certain laws that apply to determine whether or not you, in fact, can acquire citizenship through birth to that U.S. citizen parent. And the, the most common documents that you would obtain as proof of that is what is called a consular report of birth abroad. And that's where if you're born to a U.S. citizen parent and that parent meets certain physical presence requirements in the United States, you can go to the consulate or the embassy and obtain a consular report of birth abroad. And that is a birth certificate that proves your U.S. citizenship and that you were born outside of the United States. In addition to that, as a U.S. citizen, you have the right to a U.S. passport. So typically when when people do this, they apply, apply for both a consular report of birth abroad and a passport. But there are... There's limitations on that. So. And time restraints, mm-hmm. right? If you turn 18 years old, then you're going to be limited to obtaining a passport. Yeah, that child isn't... And, and a child who, as soon as they turn 18, is no longer eligible for the consular report of birth abroad. So that needs to be done before the child's 18th birthday. And that's... That has to be one of the main things that people call in and they may, their parents may meet the physical presence requirement. They, they could have got it, but they didn't do it before they were 18 years old. So they can't get that consular report birth abroad. Yeah. And but, as a result, if anyone calls us and they have a child that, you know, if they're a U.S. citizen and, and, you know, they just have questions about something else, I'll often ask, did you get a consular report of birth abroad for your child? Um, and sometimes they have it and sometimes they don't. I always recommend they get, get it, it right away to preserve that if that's something that they Life want gets the child. Life and yeah. you forget to do it. And we and get then, so many calls from people that 
their parents didn't take that action for them and, and they regret it now. So if you're looking at current law, and I'm looking at, at a resource right now, if you're looking at current U.S. immigration law and you're born after 1986, there's a, a predominant rule that applies to those that are born outside the United States. To, to one U.S. citizen parent. At least one U.S. citizen parent. And then a non-U.S. citizen parent. In wedlock. And the parents were married, exactly. Yes, you have to be married. So if you were born outside of the United States after 1986 and there's the rules change depending on when you were born we're not going to go into all of those because it's changed several times over the decades but the most recent one the one that you're dealing with now if you're born after 1986 says that if you were if you were born to a u.s citizen parent outside of the united states you would have to show that your your u.s citizen parent was physically present in the united states for at least five years prior to the child's birth, two of which were after the parent turned 14 years of age. <laughs> right. So it can be a little complicated in explaining it. And the first thing to understand is what is physical presence? What does that mean? That need, that means that the person, your parent, was actually living in the United States. Went they to didn't school. just have right. They, they didn't worked. just have a house here. Paid taxes. They were actually physically with their feet on the ground in the United States for that period of time. So we've seen cases where people are like, oh, well, I have these school records showing my parent went to college in the U.S. and high school um, and, you know, or certain years of they studied in the United States. The, the consulate will actually look at the dates that they studied. And if you don't have proof that they were here maybe during the summer months, if they weren't attending class in July and August, they'll subtract those months from that 12-month period. So you actually have to have physical proof documentary proof of the entire period yes and it has to be well documented that's the key yeah you can't just say oh yeah i know my i know my parent was here for 14 years they moved to canada when they were 15 years old okay what do you have to prove that right how can you show their physical presence and that's what you went into and the most common records there i think school records are the ones that i see for, for younger yeah, individuals. Yeah, and military service records military. are great too. I had one client rely on prison records. The father oh. <laughs> was in prison. So there are a lot yeah. of different records you can Social use. security records Social as well to show your, you were working in the U.S., yeah. Tax filings. All of these can show physical presence. Religious records, right? Baptismal records, confirmations, mm-hmm. things Medical of that records nature. from doctor's offices. Medical I've seen those. Records. Vaccination records. Rent, proof that you rented a, a place. Leases, Some of these yeah. things people don't keep, so it's hard to go after. Mm-hmm. So the, the records that are public are typically the ones that people use. I think going forward, preserved. you know, because everything's being preserved digitally now, this is just my theory, it's going to become easier for people to access these documents when you're going back to like the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when there wasn't a digital record of anything, it becomes a lot harder to generate those and, and find them. Yeah, now you can say, hey, I want my college transcript. You go in, you pay $5 and they email it to you. Yeah. Boom, you got it. Yeah, I think you're right. And and that's where we're going. Everything's becoming digital. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are some cases where the parent may not meet the physical presence requirement. Yep, that because happens. they moved to Canada when they were five years old when, or when they were yeah. very young. Uh, maybe they were maybe they were an anchor baby themselves. Maybe mm-hmm. they were born in the United States and their family went straight to, back to Canada. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they were here as an infant or a very young child. So they don't have the five year physical presence and they definitely don't have the two years after turning age 14. Yeah. 
in those cases, they can rely on the physical presence of a grandparent. In some cases. In some cases. If you meet all the requirements, you can rely on physical presence of a grandparent rather than your parent. So you but again, still acquire you just, I mean, you have parent. to keep in mind that's only for children up to the age of 18. So again, once the child turns 18, that uh, uh, the availability of using the, the grandparents' physical presence in the place of the parents is in, that opportunity is gone once the child turns 18. Yes, and that's and that's for a certificate of citizenship. So it's another proof of of U.S. citizenship that you can obtain if you're born outside of the United States. And there's different criteria that apply to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but if you did age out, you turn 18, worst case scenario, if you're still able to prove your physical presence in the United States, in a lot of these cases we see individuals are still able to apply for a U.S. passport and obtain a passport. So we recommend getting that proof of citizenship as early as possible. If you have a child outside of the United States, you're a U.S. citizen, go get that consular report of birth abroad right away. Go get that passport right away. And not only just for that proof of citizenship, but for situations like COVID, where there have been severe restrictions on travel. Well, if you're a U.S. citizen and you want to come to the United States, you can come. Those restrictions don't apply to U.S. citizens because you're coming back to your homeland. Uh, If you don't have proof of that, then you could face issues at the border. You could also face issues if they think that you're a U.S. citizen or they think that your child's a U.S. citizen. If they think that that you are, then they could refuse your entry and tell you to get proof of proof of whatever your citizenship is. Or they may say, um, you know, you need a work visa. We have a lot of people that are applying for like a TN visa, for example. Mm-hmm. And we had this scenario just a few months back. An individual was applying for a work visa, and he had on his file what's called an A number, and that's an alien number. Uh, that's what's assigned to all foreign nationals that are trying to immigrate to the United States. They need States. to change that. They And they <laughs> said that they're changing it. But it's a number assigned to each foreign national trying to come to the United States permanently. And they refused the TN visa because they thought that either this individual had become a U.S. permanent resident and potentially... You could get citizenship based on that. But that permanent residency indicated that individual might have another status that would not warrant them to be able to get a TN visa. Because if you are a permanent resident or a U.S. citizen, you can't have a work visa in the United States. You don't need one. Because you don't need one. So if they identify you as an individual who potentially is a U.S. citizen, they could turn you away on that and, and tell you to come back with proof and show that you are, in fact, either a U.S. citizen or not a U.S. citizen. I mean, there are some reasons why people don't want to have access to U.S. citizenship. And I've had lots of phone calls with people once we run through the, you know, the rights and responsibilities of a U.S. citizen. They decide that that's something that they don't want for their family. um, And they, you know, decline to move forward with that. But they just wanted to know, you know, what the issues were. So one of the responsibilities would be that that child or that person would then be obligated to file U.S. taxes on a regular basis, annual basis like the rest of the citizens of the United States. And that's something that's based on your citizenship, not on your residency. So um, plenty of times when I have uh, accessed U.S. citizenship or got acknowledgement of that for clients that are old enough to have, need to file taxes, that's one of the things they do first is file, you know, the, the a few years back taxes uh, or tax returns. To yeah. figure out what your obligations are. Right, there. to make sure that they're, um, you know, Everything's right with the IRS for them. 
Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind too. It's an, it's a reason why I've had parents that say, no, I don't want to get it for my, for my child because I don't want them to have that obligation. And then there, in the most common thing we see is people that they want their kids to go to school in the United States. They want job opportunities in the United States, things that, that might not be available in Canada. Canada is a ginormous country, beautiful, you know, tons of land, not a lot of people, less opportunity. And we see this with individuals and businesses where you have 30 something million people in Canada and over 300 million in the U S and they just want to take advantage of the economy and everything that America has to offer. So they want that citizenship. And you don't have to live in the United States if you are a U.S. citizen. So if you obtain this, the proof of citizenship for your child, um, they never have to live in the United States. They may decide that that's not something they want. Your family may never relocate and they may never take advantage of that. And that's fine. They, they don't have, have to, they but they have, or want it. they have the opportunity yep. um, and the option available to them. So you're keeping that open for your, your child if you do it. Yeah. Unlike a U.S. permanent resident who's obligated, you're supposed to live here at least 50% of your time. Mm-hmm. U.S. citizen can live wherever they want. Right. You could move to you know, China if you too. wanted. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you're a U.S. citizen. If, if, you, if you want to come back, they have to let you re-enter the United right. as States. As long as you have a valid passport, they'll let you in. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is something we see all the time because of the proximity of the Canadian border and access to the United States. There are so many cross-border relationships. Canadians, you know, snowbirds, they, they like to spend their summers down here in the United States. Sometimes children are born when that happens. I mean, Sometimes a lot, there's I mean, a relationship the more, that develops. The more likely one that we see here in the Buffalo area is the people that have just a cross-border lifestyle and their families. They have family that lives in Niagara Falls, New York, and family that lives in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and they've always moved freely back and forth across the border, um, and relationships were built. Um, and we see that a lot where, yeah, you know, my dad was born in Niagara Falls, New York. Um, you know, he lived there until he was a certain age. And then he moved to Niagara Falls, Ontario, and married my mom. And then I was born. Well, and back then, you know, before things started yeah. getting strict with 9-11, people live and work in the United States without proof of any status. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it wasn't an issue, but now it is. So it's yes. important to make sure that um, your child has that proof. If, if you want them to be able to access you know, their, their U S citizenship and all that has to offer. Yeah. So if you have questions about U S citizenship and whether or not you're a U.S. citizen, it's best to speak to an attorney, the laws, like we mentioned earlier, change depending on when you were born, whether you were born when your parents were married or you were born out of wedlock, there's different laws that apply. For example, out of wedlock, you may only have to show a year of physical presence, but then and Christine, you mentioned this earlier, it's continuous. And we saw an instance where a client tried to do this on their own. They went to the the consulate in Toronto. They applied for citizenship for the child. The child was born out of wedlock under the law that was in effect at the time of the child's birth. The parent just had to show one year of continuous residence in the U.S. One year, prior, wow. One year prior to the child's birth. And then the child was good to go. During the interview at the consulate, she mentioned that every, I forget every, it was a, during a holiday, it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas that she would go to Canada and spend time in Canada. And the consulate officer denied it. 
saying your your residence wasn't continuous because you weren't here. She couldn't she couldn't prove that she had one year of continuous residence without breaking that residence going to Canada. So they denied on those grounds. So that was for a consular report of birth abroad. It was. Mm. So we were able to take another method to get the child. Uh, now they have to go through and petition the child for a green card and then citizenship. So it's a long drawn out process that um, may have been able to be done at the consulate if done correctly. But you have to be careful, and there's very strict rules, and these officers will will hold you to it. And if you can't prove it, they could deny on that basis. So uh, it's a great benefit if you can prove it. If you have questions about that, uh, feel free to reach out to us. We deal with these all the time. And thank you for joining us today for the Arrive podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the content. Uh, if you, you can subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Uh, we're simulcasting on YouTube as well as on, on the podcast as well. So you can subscribe to YouTube to, to listen to us, or you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a thumbs up. So other people out there that are looking for similar content can find it. Thank you for watching or listening today and have a great day.